This is a download from News Talk 106 to 108. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. All is not necessarily uh, sweetness and light, but uh, it's been going on for over a decade now. Philip, welcome to the programme. Thank you, George. Movies? Uh, what do you want to do? Start off? The, I, I've just got an email there, which which I like. And oh, good. We, we have an email. Thing. Yes. Okay. Why not? And it's 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 a woman called Claire Tobin from Artane. And uh, she says, she explains in the email that she calls on her father, who's a widower, every Wednesday evening on her way home from work. And they sit down, apparently, and listen to this slot on the programme. <laughs> right, OK. OK. And her father, a man called um, Kevin Tobin, uh, he's a long-time Hook fan, apparently, and he loves listening to the two of us arguing over old movies, especially the ones where George can't think of the title. <laughs> <laughs> now, they heard George saying recently that we had uh, done the slot for 13 years, which is right, and he and, and, and Claire thinks that they've been listening for that length of time. So that's lovely. It's very nice, Claire, and, and keep up the listening. She asks, She has two questions. She asks about the title of a Woody Allen film in which he played this restaurant worker who acts as a front for various TV scriptwriters when, bla- when they were blacklisted in the 1950s. Well, the answer is the simple answer. Uh, the title is The Front. And it dates from 1976 and directed by Martin Ridd. It was one of those, one of the few movies from that time that Alan starred in but didn't direct himself. Martin Ridd, didn't he do the one with Paul Newman? Hombre. Hombre, yeah. yeah. He did. did Martin Ridd, he did, he did didn't he? Did, yeah, See, yeah. I remember the title and the director. <laughs> we'll have to take note of that. Uh, and uh, Ritt uh, and the writer of this, Walter Bernstein, and actors, you, you remember Zero Mostel and Herschel Bernardi. Herschel Bernardi played um, a cop in a famous series called Peter Gunn um, as well. Um, he had played him earlier. And these were all, anyway, they were all victims of the McCarthy blacklist and they took part in the movie. Also, she asks about... Um, on behalf of her father about a story uh, a movie based on the story of the Chicago White Sox baseball scandal in the 1920s which you'll remember (laughs) and it's it's called Eight Men Out it was written and directed by the great John Sayles and it boasts an ensemble cast that includes Charlie Sheen John Cusack David Strathairn Clifton um, Lloyd Christopher Lloyd I should say uh, Clifton James and D.B. Sweeney now before I came in she asked are these available and before I came in I just checked on Amazon and first of all the front is available for £7.90 um, and uh, there's also you can also you can also get uh, uh, Eight Men Out and there's a box set then of if you're into into sports movies a box set for ten twenty of Eight Men Out Hoosiers and Raging Bull that's good value Oh, yeah. I loved Hoosiers with Gene Gene Hackman. And actually, it was a relatively small role. But I think uh, Jack Nicholson's pal, you know. uh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. I thought Dennis Hopper was superb in that. Well, I mean, I I, I don't know how he managed his career or who managed his career or how often he was on drugs or whatever. But, I mean, if he had put his head down, that guy... If he had actually concentrated on his career and organising it, I, I, I 
thought he would have had a great career. You know? Yeah, I, during the week I was watching, can't remember the title, uh, I was watching him with Nicolas Cage. You know the one where the actor T.J. Walsh mistakes Cage yeah. for the hitman, yeah. but but Dennis Hopper is actually the hitman. Red man. Rock West. Was it? Red Rock yeah, West, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, I only yeah. saw it this week and yeah. I can't remember the title. But I thought Hopper was brilliant in that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And he actually, by the way, he was nominated for an Oscar as the drunken father in Hoosiers. Yeah, but I I have to say that comparatively recently, yeah. I saw the uh, Hopper movie uh, with uh, Fonda, not Henry Fonda or Jane Fonda, yeah. Peter, Peter Fonda, yeah. Easy Rider, mm. and it is without a shadow of a doubt the worst film ever made you, in the history of movies. I know. Okay, but let's not get let's not lose the run of ourselves here now, as you tend to do on these things. The worst or the best. And Did all of life, as I said movie? to you before, is lived in the middle, in between. Did you think it was a good movie? No. Well, it's 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 out of date now. It's dated, seriously dated. Right. You know. Yeah, I was watching your pal uh, Randolph Scott as well, but <laughs> he wasn't directed by Bud Butcher. Uh, uh, he was well, dr- Bud directed yeah. by. Uh, Tony Whelan, I think. Tony Whelan. And it was Red Rage at Dawn. Oh, that was on, yeah, that was And on. it didn't stand up at all, I no. thought. In fact, a lot of the Randolph Scott movies don't stand up. Yeah, the Bud Bediger ones do. And they're shot in widescreen in this place called, in Southern California, called Pine Valley. They were all made there. And they're good scripts, great gangsters, great, great villains in them. And um, Lee Marvin was in it, Pernell Roberts. Um, a variety of others, all, all, all very strong villains. And, and I think that they stand up. But I see what you're saying about the other ones. The other ones were tended, tended to be made under. And he, he turned out four and it was almost like Woody Allen. He turned out four and five a year sometimes. But he also, the other interesting thing about him, it was a bit of a skin flint. He saved yeah. all his money. Yeah, he, no, he did. Yeah, he was he was ferociously wealthy at the end of his time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but but the thing about but him, there's not much point being ferociously wealthy, dying at uh, eighty nine okay, okay. and leaving it all behind. Okay, him. that's the George Hook philosophy there. <laughs> the thing, by the way, about those movies, uh, the the Scott movies, is there were bees. And as you know, the, uh, yeah. uh, movies were released in, in, in A and B double bills at that time. Did, did it, that's a very interesting thing because mm. there are actually people listening yeah. who would have never gone to a double bill. No, that's true. You know, like you went along Mm. and you got two movies for the price of an entry. And even better, and even fewer people will remember, you went to the Theatre Royal and you got a stage show and a movie. Movie, Do you remember? Yeah, well, that was a long, long time ago. You don't remember that? No, I don't remember that, no. Do you not? No, no. But what you're saying about the double bills... And in in fact, you know, it wasn't just the kind of distributors or the exhibitors that actually decided. The studios themselves put these movies out in double bills. They had double, they had uh, B units, what they call B units, making these little uh, Audie Murphy movies or whatever to show with an A movie, you know? Yeah. So yeah. you got great value for whatever it was your. Yeah. Now, there's a very interesting fellow, Audie Murphy. Yeah. Uh, again, again, a former war hero, wasn't he? America's most decorated soldier. There you go.
sadly uh, had enormous problems, which I think today... I, I'd, imagine, I'd imagine he would, wouldn't you? Yes, I'd yeah. say what, what, what he would now have in today's world would be post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Not recognised then, of course, and he ultimately... I think he ultimately might have shot himself. He's very sad. Um, but he was an extraordinary guy. All right, I don't know how we got to Randolph Scott no, uh, at Bud Butcher. That's, and, uh, that's the way this uh, slot tends to... Uh, <laughs> Claire is listening. That's the way it is. It does. Claire, tell your dad we're thrilled Mm. that you've been listening to us for 13 years. Uh, Philip and I have just signed a new contract, (laughs) uh, a 13-year contract. Let's not get into that. (laughs) Uh, What have you seen this week? Okay, of the stuff, um, there's nothing absolutely extraordinary, but okay, I'll just go through them. First of all, there's this, you remember the movie Horrible Bosses. Well, there's now, needless to say, uh, the inevitable horrible, Horrible Bosses 2 it's a sequel to the 2011 comedy. The three gormless idiots from the original film that were played by Jason Bateman, Jason Sudeikis and Charlie Day. And they've decided to go into business in, uh, on their own, uh, but they're bilked by this slick investor. And desperate, for, but they're, they're absolutely desperate, but they've no legal recourse. And they hatch out this kind of misguided plan then to kidnap the investor's son and ransom him back. Uh, to um, to his family for control of the company. Uh, the thing about it, three of the original b- bad bosses, that's Kevin Spacey, Jamie Foxx, and Jennifer Aniston, who, b- believe it or not, is easily the best thing about it. Uh, they pop up again in this, and they're joined by Chris Pine, nice actor Chris Pine, and uh, Christoph Waltz. It's very kind of sketchy humour. There's one or two half-decent gags in it, but nothing to write home about. The only thing is the previous one was, was successful and popular, and I imagine this will But who watches them? Because I've seen some of them recently only because I'm taking my grandchildren Mm. to the movies. And, and I mean, it must be an age thing because the humour is appalling. And are you you listening to younger people maybe around you laughing? Well, I'm at 22 Jump Street and the three three kids with me think it's fantastic. (laughs) I'm just appalled at the bad language. Also, I fell asleep during Transformers. I remember, I, yeah. I didn't last very long in Transformers. Yeah, you told us that before, yeah. yeah. And uh, what's Paddington? Then Paddington, uh, obviously Paddington is is a Christmas time um, uh, movie. And, okay, it's 56 years after they fir- published the first books uh, of the Paddington Bear stories. And, uh, they, and, for, and uh, it's taken all that time, basically, for to get to the cinema. Uh, there have been two television series. One of them, one of the television series, I don't know if you remember this, George, but it was narrated by the gorgeous, the wonderful Michael Hordern. Remember Michael oh, Hordern? Yes, yeah. Gorgeous voice. Well, that was he, he was the narrator of one of them. Uh, I think this, this is charming, technically accomplished, and I, it's, it's, it's fairly smart and, and very funny. So take parts. the kids to it. Yeah, absolutely, big time. Uh, I, right. I, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. And uh, it's Ben Wishaw, that Eng- young English actor, he voices the South American bear with a love for all things British who turns up at Paddington Station in London after an earthquake in his home country. He's adopted by this family, uh, headed by Downton Abbey's Hugh Bonneville. And, uh, he, Lord Grantham? That's him. The very oh, right. He, play, okay. he plays him. And uh, he, they, this family apparently finds nothing strange in a talking bear. And uh, he, he's generally pursued by this Cruella de Vil type taxidermist who's bent on adding uh, him to her collection of stuffed animals. She's played by uh, Nicole Kidman. Sally Hawkins and Julie Walters um, are also in it. And I'd recommend it.
Oi. Now, the entire thing is a cartoon as such. No, 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 it's live action. Sorry. Oh, it's is li- it? Yeah, it is live action. And he's a CGI, a computer graphic imagery creation. The okay. bear is. So I, all of that, uh, all of that is, is, is convincingly rendered, I have to say. All right. Now, I Am Ali, which is a new documentary uh, about um, Muhammad Ali by the English filmmaker Claire Lewin. It's not kind of strikingly different from anything we've seen before. The not rumble in the jungle, the refusal to go to Vietnam, the the relationship, the uh, cantankerous relationship with uh, Joe Frazier. They're all covered in it. But uh, it, more than anything else, what this shows, I Am Ali shows, is that, OK, he was a world champion boxer, but he was also a world champion personality. And uh, his children had made a, a, in a sort of offhand way that he had affairs, but the movie doesn't go into that. Um, instead, it, it uses an absolute wide, wide range of TV footage from all over the world, uh, from chat shows from all over the world, including two excerpts. They must have come from RTE, from Carl O'Shannon. Remember Carl O'Shannon? Yes, of course. In, interviewing him. OK, that stuff. And he, I mean, he just carried these, these shows. Well, he, he used to have these wonderful ones at yeah. the BBC, yeah. Sports Star of the Year, yeah. and he'd have them with Harry Carpenter. Yeah. And they were stupendous. Yeah. Like, for a man of poor education, mm. uh, disadvantaged by his colour, uh, and, and yet yeah, he proved mm. himself to be an extraordinary uh, mental talent yeah. and with, with a wonderful vocabulary. Well, all through this movie, you get right. those. Ah, and right. I, I okay. think for that, it has personality and it has okay. charm. And the other thing about it is he created what are called audio, I hadn't seen these used before in the cinema, called audio diaries. And basically there were phone calls to his children. And he's very sort of playful and open and very, I suppose, fatherly um, in his relationship with the kids in these in these diaries. And they're used throughout the movie as well. So I, I liked it a lot. And again, I'd recommend it. And then after that, there's one called The Stations of the Cross, which is a German film with subtitles. And it's the story of this 14-year-old German girl who tries to follow the rules and impossible expectations of her fundamentalist family and the clergy as she appears for confirmation. It, it, it portrays the uh, Catholic Church in a very, very harsh and fundamentalist way, I have to say. And... Um, it's it's stylishly made, but generally it's fairly grim and I think overextended. But that's interesting yeah. because, in fact, I, I mean, there are lots of negatives about the Catholic Church. But yeah. did you not find that preparation for communion and confirmation wasn't actually harsh? Didn't you find well, no, it was I, uh, it yeah. was quite well, joyful or yeah. whatever, like you were preparing for something special? Yeah, well, OK, there was, there's two things here. First of all, this child's mother, she's a very, very harsh woman altogether. Oh, right, OK. And uh, the local... Church is run by I'm not sure which of the societies, but anyway, uh, one that a very fundamentalist Catholic sort of uh, branch, right, okay. and and they're basically the reason why okay. I should get. Yeah, I, wouldn't it be the movie you enjoyed? No, it? no, I didn't. I, I, it's very. It's what they do is they. Um, they have this kind of uh, stilted sort of camera style in which they're which they use uh, to kind of emulate the stations of the cross, the oh, fourteen right. stations of the cross, and that's very stylishly done. That's well presented in black and white. So, um, is it in black and white? Yeah. And uh, so that's that's basically the, okay. the the movies that are opening now. I just wanted to say we didn't get around to Mike Nichols last week. No, okay? we did not. So I just wanted to say something about him, and maybe you want to say something about him as well. In, I think it was 1996, 
I went to London uh, for a movie called Wolf, which he had directed. Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, James Spader, they were all in it. And um, I met him um, in this basement bar. I was trying, I've been racking my brain to try and think the, which hotel it was. But I met him in a basement bar in a central kind of London hotel. And I arrived and I was the only one there. I thought I was on a junket, but I was the only one there. And I can't remember why there, there weren't any others. But anyway, he was there and we met. And he was very, very taken with the fact that I'd come over from Dublin to meet him. Uh, really, and he kept referring to it. And he also kept teasing me about my research, the research I'd done for the interview. But he was, he was wonderful, George. He was so charming. Uh, he talked about, talked about British t- uh, London theatre. He talked about European politics. He talked about English sport very knowledgeably. Wasn't he a theatre director? No, no, he was. Big, yeah. Big, big. In fact, he won nine Tony Awards yes. on Broadway. Yeah. yeah. He so, was very much a Broadway uh, yeah. uh, director that they brought to film. Yeah. Well, one of the things he did was he had this... Um, he His had, big film was? Uh, I suppose The Graduate, I suppose. I suppose, uh, yeah, 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 probably. He won, yeah. The, he won the Oscar for Best Director for The Graduate and it was his second film, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, in which he directed um, Barton and Taylor. That was his first one. Um, but that was a stage movie, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, it's based on an Edward Albee stage play. So, yeah. um, but it, okay, so we're there, the two of us together. And at one stage, I went off to <laughs> I went off to the toilet, and I came back, and there was a waiter at the the table, and he was taking an order. So, uh, so, so I he, the waiter went off, and I I looked at I just looked at Mike Nichols, and he said, "Well." You've come over all this, you know, this 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 long journey to meet me. I may as well send you home fed. So that's why he, he actually ordered a meal for the two of us. And um, uh, but he was he was just wonderful. He was very. Uh, I was thinking on the way in what my my favorite five favorite films of his. I'd say The Graduate. Uh, I like Working Girl a lot. I don't know if you like it. Uh, Primary Colors. I think Primary Colors is great. I really like it. Uh, Silkwood. And then he did one, one of his real later ones was called Charlie Wilson's War. Um, with with Tom Hanks? With Tom Hanks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hadn't realised that was a Mike Nichols no, that's movie. Mike Nichols. And the thing as well is is Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, is in that. I think he was nominated for a Best Sporting Actor Oscar for it. So what, one of the things about him as well is he was, okay, first of all, he was one of those people who uh, won uh, awards in the kind of four main categories: the Oscar, the Tony, the Emmy, and the Grammy. And he had a he had this uh, partnership with a woman called Elaine May. Oh, uh, it was yeah, a comedy writer. Absolutely, the two of them had, apparently had a, had the two of them had a partnership, and they they'd have these evenings with Mike Nichols and Elaine May. And one of the things as well they used to do was uh, was issue records, uh, discs, and uh, that's how he came to get the Grammy. Uh, from, oh, from one of those All records. Right. But he's, uh, I, I was very taken with him, I have to say. All right. You have a query about Paul Newman. Yeah. Uh, they, there's, I've sort of saved that. It's from a woman called Tracy Cullimore, and she wants to know uh, um, if we know of a Paul Newman movie in which he plays a man who rescues a child who falls through the ice on a frozen lake. I, I do remember it well. It's called From the Terrace. It's directed by a man called Mark uh, Robson. It's based on, in the 50s, there was this American novelist um, who was considered to be a very sort of adult novelist called John O'Hara. Uh, his, his, his books don't stand up at all now. It was based on one of his books. Uh, and it co-stars Joanne Woodward as New- Newman's snobbish, uh, sex-obsessed wife, 
she's a society girl in it. It's a fairly kind of conventional melodrama. One of the things that um, is made by 20th Century Fox, and as you know, one of the things that 20th Century Fox did in, I think it was about 53, 54, was they kind of struck lucky by making the robe in Cinemascope. And most of the movies after that then were made in scope. And this is one of them. And for that reason, I think it stands up very well. Ina Balin, which was that actress you referred to in, in the commentaries, a few. She's in it. She plays a kind of good girl in it. George Grizzard, Patrick O'Neill, Mernon Loy uh, plays Paul Newman's uh, alcoholic mother. Uh, so that's it. It's it's. Um, it was made in the winter of 1959, and at that time, Newman was also starring in Tennessee Williams' Sweet Bird of Youth on the New York stage. So he was, he was working uh, during the day making this film, and he was starring in this stage play at night. Yeah, that's some achievement. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, that's that's given given that they tend to start shooting early in the morning. Yeah. Uh, either he did very long days and nights, or no, they did. accommodated him yeah. in some way. No, he did. Uh, well, obviously, he was getting well paid for it. But um, Tennessee Williams was was the thing. He was the kind of poet laureate of the theatre at that stage right. uh, throughout the fifties. And I suppose any opportunity to, to, to get to do his plays was, was a, right. a kind of welcome one. Now, moment. your pal Christoph Waltz yeah. uh, is now Bond's movie well, a villain. Well, OK, they've, they've announced uh, that he's going to be in um, the Bond, the next Bond movie, which is Bond 24. And uh, they're apparently announcing next week exactly what part he's playing. Now, there's, there's speculation, George. I don't know how good this is, but there's speculation about the return of Ernst Stavro Blofeld, um, who, as you know, is Bond's kind of great nemesis. And he's, he's been played by Donald Pleasance, Charles Gray, and Telly Savalas um, in the main sort of Bond movies in the past. And then in the kind of Maverick one, the other movie that was made independently, Never Say Never Again, he was, made, he was, um, he was played by... Yeah, uh, Max von Sydow. I really liked Charles Grey. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. I, he was quintessentially British, tall, grey-haired, and I, I mean, just, I, voice. you would have voice. seen him in so many movies that you now can't remember the movies. But, but yeah. like, he was a stalwart, really. Mm. I thought of so many. He played movies. Blofeld in Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, mm. I thought he was one of the great villains. I must say, because of his voice. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, he was blessed. But, it, but he, he moved well too, George. He was very, he was tall. Yeah, and he he moved in a very sort of graceful way, and he he had that sort of way of holding his chin and uh, as you say he spoke very very well but uh, okay so um, we'll know who the villain is next week uh, we'll know what part uh, Christopher Waltz uh, uh, makes but they've also announced some of the locations and some of it's actually uh, they've confirmed these some of this sounds very very good um, uh, they're, they're shooting in Rome first of all and there's several kind of nighttime high speed car chases through the narrow streets of the city that's in Rome there's a car crashing into the Tiber there's a, a very sort of dramatic a- episode in which a, f- a f- Fiat 500 will be crushed on the Borgo Vittorio and Bond will parachute from a helicopter onto the Pont Sisto pedestrian bridge in Rome and they're also um, shooting at a, at a place outside Rome called the Royal Palace of Castellano Certa. So that actually sounds quite colourful, okay. you know. All right. Uh, Blade Runner? 
Well, the situation with Blade Runner is now, this has been talked about for several years, but at the moment, really, Scott is out doing publicity for Exodus, God and, God and Kings, which is the new movie. Basically, it's, his, it's the uh, Christian Bale is in it, and it's the Moses story. And he's out, and so he's been asked, needless to say, about Blade Runner. And as of yesterday, he announced that there would be a new Bla- a, a second a sequel to Blade Runner um, to be made next year. Uh, he won't be directing it, but he will be producing it. And he's been working on the script with a guy, a former actor called Hampton Fancher. And Hampton Fancher was the scriptwriter of the first uh, Blade Runner. So he's working with Scott on the next Now, one. this Exodus movie, yeah. I, it, I thought like these biblical ones were over and done with. Well, I thought they'd sort of died with Charlton Heston and well, Cecil B. DeMille. Well, no, at the moment, every studio seems to be searching for a spectacle, a spectacular sort of right. uh, subject, you know. And uh, some people like Disney, obviously, have them with the Marvel Space uh, yeah. um, series. And so uh, the others are all looking for these kind of big subjects. And this is this is one um, that uh, 20th Century Fox is making uh, with Ridley Scott. And so it's out on St. Stephen's Day, and we'll see how it does then. All right, so I'm amazed we're not in December and Oscar is hotting up. We're not in December. Yeah, no, well, that's the way it tends to be. What what they're doing, first of all, is they're bringing the actual Oscar ceremony date back and back. It's on, I think, the 24th of February now this year. And that means... Because I remember it used to be in April. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's true. That's I remember true. playing a rugby match and watching the Oscars the week before, and mm. like, but it was April. Mm. This is a way. This is they're still obsessed with piracy um, in the cinema, and this in order to, in order to narrow the gap between the theatrical release of a movie and uh, and and say uh, what happens to it after that. They're they're basically they're 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 bringing back the the Oscar, the Oscar okay. release all the time. So uh, uh, what what is now happening? The Hollywood Reporter it's already started to plot the race, and what they do is they they change the running order of the favorites from week to week as new releases come on stream and other sort of developments. Uh, that might alter the standing of a particular movie coming to play. Now, the top ten, I've just given you the, t- the, the, I won't go into the best ask- actor in that uh, until maybe a lot of time, but the top ten frontrunners in best picture are Boyhood, The Theory of Everything, that's the Stephen Hawking one, okay? Uh, the Imitation Game, which you and I have talked about before, Into the Woods, which is a, a Stephen Sondheim musical with Meryl Streep, um, Unbroken, which is the Louis Amperini um, story, which I've seen, and I'll talk to you about that another time. Uh, Selma, which you want to see, you, 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 you have expressed interest. American Sniper, do you know about that? It's, no. a, it's the latest Clint Eastwood movie, and it's about this... Um, this sniper who apparently had the most kills um, in the history of the U.S. Army. And what they did was they used to send this guy overseas with various troops. And while they were doing their business, he'd, he'd basically be up on a roof or wherever protecting him. All right. Uh, so, so, so that's uh, that's what it is. Interstellar, Birdman, a, f- a film called Whiplash, which sounds um, uh, very, very interesting. And uh, I've seen at least half of these. Now, uh, the, yeah. On the recommendation of my son, which yeah. normally isn't a great recommendation for uh, movies, I have terrible. to say, yeah. uh, he recommended Lone Survivor. Yeah. Uh, 
And first of all, it stars one of your least favourites, Mark Wahlberg. Well, he Wahlberg. didn't tell me, first of all, that Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg was Wahlberg. in it. Mark so if he'd told me that, I wouldn't have bothered watching it. Yeah. So then I started Did you see it? Oh, you watched it? Did you? What do you think? I thought it was very average. Yeah. Yeah. Very average. It's, it's, a, it's fairly bloody, isn't it? It's, it's bloody, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the blood count is high. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, well, you see, I don't think Mark Wahlberg has ever made a good movie. Mm. But this isn't it, even no, if he did. No, no. And no. he's, I mean, I think he's limited. Uh, I think he's made a few things, but I, I think he's limited. And his success absolutely confounds me. Uh, I can never understand. Donny is much better than Mark. Oh, Donny from Blue Bloods, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Sa- saving Private Ryan. Mm. Okay, so. Don't, mm, he mm, was. Yeah, he was okay. All right. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, okay, well, of the other ones that I've seen and that I think should be in there, one is called Foxcatcher, which I've loved. loved. But, but there's a movie coming out here in February, George, called uh, A Most Violent Year. And it is like one of those great sort of um, uh, dramas of the 70s. And I really recommend it. It's wonderful. I love it, I have to say. And I go to it again. Mr. Turner should be in there as well, I think. And there's a film called Nightcrawler, which I liked an awful lot, which probably won't be considered to be an Academy movie. Uh, but it should probably be in there as well. But anyway, we'll see all this. Uh, the, the, Unfold. Yeah, the 87th Oscars is on the 22nd of, I said 24th earlier, 22nd of February. And uh, so an awful lot will happen between now and then. You have something to say about stuntmen, have you? Yes, yeah, yeah. I know your interest in, in stuntmen, so I just put that in there. It's 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 an, an unusual tribute, I think, to his career-long um, stunt double. Michael Douglas, he's published a picture of himself and his double of 26 years. 26 years, a fellow, a fellow called Mike Runyard. And he's, it's, 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 it's been published all across the world, as far as I can see. Uh, both uh, were made up for this role, the role of a fellow called Hank Pinn. Now, Hank Pym is Ant-Man's mentor in the new Ant-Man. Believe it or not, they're doing an Ant-Man, and it's another one of these Marvel uh, comics movies. And uh, so in the new Ant-Man, um, Hank Pym and, uh, is played by both Mike Runyard and Michael Douglas. And uh, this fella has he stunted for Douglas um, on movies dating back to Black Rain, which is a, um, a Ridley Scott film, uh, War of the Roses, Basic Instinct, and right up to uh, Behind the Candelabra, which is the um, which was out last year. Yeah, but uh, I, I mean, there wasn't much stunts uh, in, in, in that. the Michael Douglas no, career, even. When, no, except when, except when, uh, no, in in uh, Liberace's career, but there's yeah. one scene in it where he takes off his wig. And we actually see him, and he looks like this bald little old woman, um, and it, which is very, very striking. Okay, you'll be back next week. Mm. It's uh, Wednesday movies with Philip Malloy. And the course. picture show is at six o'clock on uh, Sunday on Saturday night. So we have a we have a really a stellar packed, cast. Yes, we have a packed lineup. Thanks for listening to this News Talk One Hundred Six to One Hundred Eight podcast. To download other programs or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.